0: Hi everyone, it's Dr. Kamari Valentine, and thank you so much for joining me on my podcast Just a Minute with Dr. Kamari. Today we're going to be talking about self-compassion and why that is such a crucial ingredient, so important when we're healing from the negative experiences of childhood, and more broadly, when we're working with relational trauma. So, as you probably know, childhood experiences play such a crucial role in shaping our lives. They provide a template for how we expect other people and the world to be. So, for some people, childhood memories are filled with consistent love with support, with nurturing, with care, praise, uh, a lack of active criticism and punishment. But for many people, it can be a time of trauma, neglect or abuse, experiences that have happened as well as positive experiences that didn't happen. And these negative experiences, these adverse Experiences of childhood can have lasting effects on all of us, on our emotional well-being, on our psychological experiences, how we view the world, how we view ourselves, and even physical well-being. You might know that there is a scale to ex- to examine um, adverse effects of childhood, the ACEs scale, and... On that measure, we look at about 10 adverse childhood experiences, such as the loss of a parent or the experience of domestic violence. As your score on that increases, the likelihood of psychological as well as physical health issues increases. As we go through these challenging or traumatic events, during our developmental period, it can affect the learning of psychological skills, the development of psychological milestones, such as the development of self-compassion or the development of autonomy and other skills. These wounds can persist into adulthood and affect how we see ourselves as well as our interactions with other people. One of the essential ingredients, I would argue the most important ingredient in the healing process, is self-compassion. Self-compassion refers to how we might treat ourselves with kindness, understanding, gentleness and acceptance, even during times when it's hard to or when we're in pain. It means extending the same compassion and care that we would outwards to a close friend or somebody we love. That same care that we extend outwards, we're actually extending inwards. So many people that I work with are very used to extending compassion outwards and looking to caring for other people's needs, putting other people's needs ahead of their own, pleasing people, um, being the go-between, and having their own needs neglected. Lest we forget, fawning, uh, trying to please other people, can also be a trauma experience, a, a trauma response um especially when we're looking at complex PTSD. So during times of trauma, it might have been life-preserving to look to others, monitor their their reactions or experiences, and then try to placate them or please them in order to keep safe. So back to self-compassion. Okay, So treating ourselves with kindness. When we have experienced negative childhood experiences, it's very common to develop feelings of shame or, or guilt or to blame ourselves for what happened. Remember that children don't have the, the biological ability to take perspective and to to kind of see what factors might be at play. And what a child will do when faced with adverse experiences is to believe that they are the cause of that. They are responsible. So that is the default setting. Children will assume that they caused the negative experiences. When we've experienced these, we can also internalize negative messages that we have received from others. Okay, so criticism, the direct blame, Um, name-calling, or indirect messages can lead to low self-esteem and self-criticism. And that self-criticism, that inner uh, loud critic, is what keeps that internal cycle of low mood um, and suffering continuing. We don't need those external critics anymore because we've internalized them so in contrast to that familiar default self-criticism self-compassion is an alternative and it offers us a path to to healing when we say we're being self-compassionate or when we do self-compassion we're we're acknowledging and validating our pain and emotions without judgment I often say that validation is the antidote that we need. And validating our experiences is tremendously hard when we might have grown up with invalidation or we might not have validation modeled to us. So when we validate somebody's experiences, we say, that is fair enough. Those feelings are fair enough. We aren't shaming ourselves or somebody else for having those experiences we aren't saying why do you feel sad or you've got no reason to feel sad we're saying it is fair enough we simply say you're feeling sad i can see that so self compassion doesn't mean that we are ignoring avoiding blocking or pretending that everything is fine we aren't just being positive you you might have heard me talk about this fake positivity or toxic positivity before. When we're validating and being acknowledging, we are saying that yes, there is pain and we're providing ourselves with the care and compassion we need to heal. So, how can we learn more self-compassion? First, we need self-awareness. We can pay attention to to our thoughts, feelings, and reactions, especially when times are challenging or hard. And we can notice the language we use. For example, shoulds, oughts, and musts are typically associated with the critic. We can notice whether the, the words we use, that stream of consciousness, is the same in tone or in literal language that we would say out loud to another human being. So this, the self-awareness, shining the light on the language we use, our internal voice is a really important step. The second step can be challenging these thoughts. It, instead of having a very long debate, it, it can simply be asking yourself whether you would say these things to somebody you cared about, somebody you loved? And often the answer is no, because what we're going for here is that you're treating yourself with the same compassion, the same kindness, the same validation that you would somebody else. Next, a a step can be self-care. You might have listened to my podcast talking about deep self-care because Those are actually the beliefs that might underlie what you actually do, right? But the activities go hand in hand with those beliefs. So self-care is about activities that nourish you, mind, body, and soul. And they're not necessarily big or expensive activities. These can be small amounts of time. They can be doing what you can where you are, um, engaging in hobbies you enjoy, breathing more gently, spending time outside or looking at nature, engaging in mindfulness, meditation, um, softening your thoughts or looking at professional help from a therapist. We also have some self-compassion exercises. You might be familiar with the loving-kindness meditation, which is one of the most well-known exercises that is about cultivating self-compassion. It is um, one uh, well-studied mindfulness meditation, a form of mindfulness meditation that has been shown to have numerous benefits. When we do loving kindness meditation, we practice the muscle of self-compassion, the familiar process of directing it outward and then directing it inward. We can also do other forms of self-compassion such as our future self looking back on us with kindness, writing letters as an antidote to the critic, with self-compassion, or using gentle affirmations that, that promote deep self-love and acceptance. Now, these are not just positive things that we say to block out our feelings or minimize our feelings. These are actually um, kind, validating statements. Finally, a, another step can be a really lovely support system, uh, people who validate us and uplift and support us, Um, relationships that are based on on empathy, compassion, and mutual uh, care. And this can be difficult if some of the um, people in your network have poor boundaries or those relationships are ridden with toxicity. So even working out what is a healthy relationship can be difficult. Sharing your struggles and experiences with people who trust, who are worthy of their trust, can help with this feeling of validation and support. So I hope that you're hearing that self-compassion is not some sort of luxury or some weird idea, but really an integral part of of healing, and something that might be quite novel. By treating ourselves with kindness, um, with gentleness, we really start um, helping those neurons fire in a different way. So I hope, um, I hope you found that useful. I, I hope that um, lit up some ideas for you. Um, I'd be very keen to hear what you thought or whether you have any questions, whether you disagreed or whether there was another step that you can think of. Um, if you have some self-care ideas, I would really love to hear that. The episode that I think this ties in really well with is where I talk about parts of the self and I talk about that critic and that vulnerable child. It's... um. It's a um, deep episode, Uh, probably a bit weird if that was the first one you were listening um, of my podcast series, but um, I think it links with this one really well. And the other one I mentioned was the one I did about deep self-care and those beliefs that might even underlie our ability to engage in self-compassion. Okay, folks, so that's it for this week. Keen to hear your thoughts. Uh, Take care, everyone, and talk soon.